God's promises, yes, and it's a covenant. The covenant is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> covenant, can we all say covenant? Covenant, let's get used to that as covenant people, right? <laughs> so that we can say, I'm a covenant guy, I'm a covenant girl, you know, I'm a child of the king, I'm a covenant person, I'm this this close-knit, bond-given kind of gift to, to the world because God has made me so. I'm going to give all that I know to the world so that they can also learn about God's greatness, right? So we're learning about covenants. We learned about Noah last time, and uh, I'm sure that you remember a lot of the different things that we learned there. God made a new beginning through this righteous man. He wasn't a perfect man, but God recreated the world at that time. He destroyed what was there because of sin, and then he recreated everything. And Noah was the one that brought that forward with his family, right? And and then now we're going to be introduced today to another covenant that God made with Abraham. And so we're going to be covering covenants, you know, as time allows in, in the season. And we're going to touch on all of those. There's one with Moses. There's one with David. Uh, and then, of course, there's the most important one, which is with uh, Jesus, right? And, and we're going to mention him every time because Jesus is the one who we have now uh, that re- really fulfilled all the other covenants. And so as we go into this, um, this sermon today, I just want to let you know that we're probably going to have at least one more sermon on Abraham because it's such a vast amount of scripture that teaches about him and the covenants of God with Abraham. Uh, He's referred to as Abram at this time of his life. God changed his name later to Abraham, right? Raise your hand if you know somebody named Abraham. Yeah, that's an important name. It's an important name. We were talking about Esther this week with the kids in the Good News Club and asking if there's anybody named Esther that we know. And, of course, we thought of our Esther here, right? (laughs) And And someone else even had a... A, a sister named Vashti. You remember Vashti from the story of, of Esther? Very unusual kind of a name, but one of our co-workers, Luani, said, my sister is named Vashti. So there's a lot, you know, there's, there's things around us, and the names are very important, and people choose these names very carefully to uh, have an association with God's word in that kind of a way. So anyway, we're going to get right into it with Abraham. And Abraham is introduced in chapter 12. Last week, we had a great sermon from Pastor Kong introducing us to the faith of Abraham. Amen. Um, And so now we have a good basis of going into this study for the covenant. But in in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says this, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So he introduces a, a covenant in a way here. It is a covenant. It's a promise to Abraham that he's going to make him great. Right? He's going to bring people from him, uh, which is the, the, the people of Israel. And so he comes to him, and he calls him out from this place that he was living, and he leaves it. At the command of God, he leaves that place and goes into an unknown place. And that was the great sign of his faith, that he listened and he did what God says. It's really, really important that we understand that command. Because we disobey it over and over again in our lives. When we sin, we are disobeying God's command to leave where we live and to go. 
It's, it may not be the same thing like as a missionary kind of a thing, but that also is important, and that is part of that. But it is each time we refuse to listen to the voice of God, we are disobeying that command to leave what you're used to with the things that you're used to. I have something for you to do. I want you to leave that and obey me and go where I go, where I want you to go in your life. Can we take that to heart today? To remember that, that we really need to take that, you know, and, and take that seriously. Sometimes it takes a long time for us to get there. But God is patient. Um, but he, if we continue to ask him to give us strength, to do what he says, to obey his voice, then he will help you to do it. I've, I've had that experience re- recently, right? With sin in my life that I held on to and, and I finally said, you know what, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of disobeying God. I'm just going to stop doing that, you know? And it's made, a, it's made a big difference in my life in the sense that now I have a lot more time to think about things that are good. I have a lot more time. I have a lot more space. I have a lot more. It's even to the point I'm like, wow, what am I doing with all this time that I have? Oh, I could do this, but it's good for God, you know? These things weigh on us. And what disobedience, if you, if you have a disobedient heart, then it's going to drag you down. So don't do it. Let go of it. Step out. Go to the place that God calls us to be. Okay? I didn't plan on saying so much about that, but I think it's important. All these things are really important. So he promised him that he was going to bless him and he was going to have a, a big nation was going to come from him. And it says later on in, in Verse 7, to your offspring I will give this land. To your offspring, meaning from your body, you know, from your kids, your children, whatever. You know, these offspring are coming from you. And so that's important as we go into this scripture today in chapter 15. Before we get there, though, I just want to read the, we'll read the beginning of chapter 15, and you can follow along. Um, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. So let's stop there for just a moment. Okay, first of all, let's claim those words. Fear not, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. That is a promise of God to Abram, but it's also a promise to us. Fear not. Is there something you're afraid of in your life? Right? God says, fear not. I am your shield. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Right? You guys used one of the, in the the first song that we sang, it spent, it it mentioned the shield, right? This aspect of God. He is our shield. Right? And that was really good for you to to have us sing today because we want to remember that, right? That He is my shield, my protector. I don't have to fear anything. Why? Because God is my shield. He is my protector, right? And he is bringing great reward for his people who love him, right? So we have a great God. We're introduced to these things, and these first verses here talk about that. But just very briefly, I want to just remind all of us what came before before this. It said, after these things. You'll remember that there was a war, actually, right? And Abram went to rescue Lot, right, from being kidnapped. And there were four kings that were fighting, right? And Abraham joined together with the king of Sodom, and and they fought against those four kings. And there was a bounty from what when they won. And God had, we really believe that God had won that war and had rescued Lot, right? Um, But Abram refused the bounty. He refused the loot. Do you remember that? 
where he said, I don't want anything. I don't want to take anything. I don't want to be like, make, I don't want it to sound like you helped me in any way. It was all God that helped me, right? And he said, spread the, just let me eat what all of the soldiers and all these other people are eating. I don't want anything special. He said, give the loot to somebody else. And he mentioned some people there to be given the loot, right? And so he gave up and he sacrificed there. He was very humble and he said, I don't want anything, okay? I have what I need. I know I have God and I don't, I don't need anything else. And so what, what does God say to him right after that? Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. God had something greater in mind for Abram than the loot that came from winning a war, right? So he's saying to him, fear not, don't, but he's also anticipating something that he's going to say to him by saying, fear not, because he's going to use this man in his life. So there's great power in the word of God that, that fills us here and comes into our lives on whatever aspect you're going through in your life. You can know that there's a message here for you today in this great covenant of, of God. All right. So he says, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. So big things are coming. Now, what happens after that is very interesting. Abram says to him, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then there was this pause, and Abram says something else. Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Right? So he's saying to him, Thank you for telling me that you have a great reward for me, but how is that going to happen? I don't have any kids. <laughs> you know, you're telling me that you're going to, you know, bring a nation from me and from my offspring, you are going to, right? In the first, first thing we read today in chapter 12, he's saying, I am going to make a great nation from you and the, your offspring are going to be this. And that means you're going to have a child. And the, and so at this point, he's saying, it's been a long time. It seems kind of like, you know, we're going to have to, take advantage, because I'm an older person, my wife is barren and she's advanced in age, it seems that we're going to have to claim that custom in our, in our world, in, our, in, in where we live, that a servant is going to have to be my heir and carry on the things like that, right? And we can, we can relate to that, right? We wait for things and we're like, well, it doesn't seem like God knows what he's talking about, <laughs> You know, um, I'm going to have to, maybe maybe something else is going to happen. But I really believe that Abram went to him honestly and very, you know, openly told God his doubts. He told, you know, he's a man of faith, but he's not perfect, right? So he says to him, I'm starting to feel like I've been waiting for a long time for this. When's it going to happen? You know, so what does God do? He, he responds to him, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. For your own very, your, your very own son shall be your heir. So he, he, he encourages him, right? And he tells him, this is still the plan. You don't have to go to plan B. This is the plan that I have, and you are going to have the assurance of God is very important. We can trust him, and, and that's what Abram did. He trusted God, but he, he did have questions. He was human, right? And so God said that to him, and then something really great happened. We all can see that in the slide that Alfred and Patch uh, found for us. He brought him outside, and he said, look toward heaven. That means look up towards me in heaven, really, God, and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. 
And then these wonderful words in verse 6, he believed, the, he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Right? So God, not only does he tell him, I assure you, right, this man is not going to be your heir. Your own son is going to be your heir. I'm going to show you something. Takes him outside, points to the sky and says, that's how many descendants you're going to have. That's your offspring. All those stars in the skies like that. And so God takes in this kind of a moment, he shows us, you know, his dedication and also his willingness to use his own creation to describe the great things that he's going to do for us. And it's all there for us to take in, everybody. That's The creation around us isn't just like we're saying, okay, so we believe God created the heavens and the earth. No, no, no. It's filled with meaning. It's filled with great things, promises, you know, of reward, of blessing, and all these great things. And we get down in our lives because we're so focused here, right? We don't look upwards. We don't look at the creation around us. And it's very encouraging today to have that kind of a message, right? That God says, don't get down in your lives. Don't let that happen because I am your shield. Don't be afraid. I am going to do great things in your life, and there's going to be great reward, Right? And that's, that's what we believe when we see God. You know, it's like the, the little boy comes forward and they're all like, what are we going to do? We have no food and they're going to, all these people came and how are we going to feed them? And Jesus is like, no problem. No problem. I'm going to, I'm, he, and they bring these fish and the, and the loaves from a little boy and this little child, you know, brings them forward and teaches all of these adults the importance of trusting Jesus. And that's what we have to do. We cannot get down into this world and start to feel like, ah, it's just helpless. You know, there's so many people. How are we going to feed them in our lives? And how are we going to do all these different things? It's just impossible. It must be, you know, I've been waiting so long for things in my life to happen and all these things, and I've been praying and praying and praying, and it just seems like it's falling on deaf ears. You know, it must be that I have to come up with another plan. And God is saying to us here, don't do that. I am your shield. I am your great reward. Come to me. You can talk to me. You can complain to me. You can express your doubts. And I will take you outside. And I will show you something that is going to blow your mind. And that is my promise. And it's not just, see that one star? And you see that little star over there? That's how many descendants you're going to have. He said, look at all of them and see all of them, and that's how big the blessing is going to be coming from you. I love that. You know? I really love God. I love I love the, the, the fact that he loves us so much, and he shows us such incredible things. Nobody, can, nobody could show me anything else that's written like this. You know? It's just amazing. And we, we teach this to children and stuff, but we ourselves sometimes don't really grasp it, right? We're so busy trying to teach kids the lessons in the Bible, and then we ourselves miss them. But God is saying, no, you're a child of mine too. You're a child. You're a, when you believe in me, you're, a, you're my child. I want you to know these great things. I want you yourself to be the teacher who knows from experience that, yes, these are true things. And that's the biggest, biggest kind of an effect you're going to have on a child's life, when you yourself show that it's real. It's not just an assignment for a story that you've been given to teach kids. It is one that you have lived and you know is true. And then they say, yeah, I believe it. I see that in you, you know. It's amazing, right? So he, he believed the Lord 
That is so important. He believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. The faith, his belief, was righteousness. He was saved. He was in the right place. God gave it to him. And he was in the right place with God. Right? So we'll move on. Verse 7. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And then what happens next? Abram says, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? So another question, right? I think questions are allowed. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you feel that way? I mean, reading in the Bible that questions are allowed, they're actually very useful and helpful. It's not like, oh, what happened to his faith? That, that doubter. <laughs> no. God is very patient with him. You know what he does? He acts in grace. He asks another question. When, when I get asked too many questions, I lose my patience. You know, God never loses his patience. He says, you know what? I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to show you in this covenant. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to put everything right here before you. And, and then you're going to know. Okay? How am I, how am I to know that I shall possess it? This great land, all the land, right? He's talking about. It was at this moment that God graciously assures Abram by a, for, a formal ratification of a covenant bond ordering Abram to present certain animals before him. Okay, so what was the definition from Noah? I forgot to mention this. What was the definition of a, of a covenant? A bond. Remember, this is, this is really important. It's very easy to forget this. It's, it, if you forget, you can say it's a promise, but that's not really coming you know, to the full meaning. A bond in blood, life and death, right? It's a bond in blood, life and death, sovereignly administered. God administers it, right? It's that bond in blood. It, it, there's a life and death commitment, right, that is involved in this. And so this is what we see co- coming up here. He said to Abram, bring me a heifer, that's a, that's a young cow, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon, And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, they were attracted, these prey, these vultures were coming down. Abram drove them away. So there's a lot of meaning going on in this. So this is the covenant. Okay, This is the act of the covenant that God is teaching us here that is representing a lot that we know through Jesus Christ that's coming up, right? They, there was a sacrifice, a life, these animals, right? Their lives were taken. The smaller ones, it's believed that the reason that they were not cut is because they were so small. We don't know for sure, but that, that is one theory. But in any case, these others were cut in half and laid. When, when we say that God makes a covenant, the word in Hebrew that is used is actually to cut. You cut a covenant. Right? And so there's symbolism also in this to say that he's cutting. It's kind of gross, I know, because you're talking about animals and stuff like that. But there is a life there, and we, we're, we're, we're being taught the life and death kind of a situation. It costs a life, right? It's, it's that kind of a, an image that we're being taught here. 
right? So in accordance with the custom of the day, and this was a custom not only in the case of Abram that God was using, but in the custom of the day, Abram halves the animals and he sets the corresponding pieces over against each other. The bird he slays but does not divide. And in anticipation of the vision that comes next, birds of prey attempt to devour the flesh and Abram frightens them away. So there's this imagery of this, this is coming, right? This is, this is happening. God is making this covenant, but there's a threat, right, as well. And so I didn't ask Beverly to read this part, but I want to read this middle section um, before we move on to the end part of that covenant. So it's kind of like to be continued, right? We just hold on to that thought. The animals were cut in half and they were opposite each other. And then this happened. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. So you can imagine this, okay? There's this something really, really big happening there. And then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring, you're going to have all these offspring, will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they come out with great possessions. What does that remind us of? It's captivity in Egypt, right? The Egyptian captivity. And God is bringing that up to Abraham. This is some, he's, this is a man who lived way, way before that, right? And he's being given this vision of what is going to happen to his people. But really at heart here, he's, God is saying, all these people are coming from you. But he's sharing this kind of a thing where, there's going to be 400 years, and we have to have this is this in mind when we look at this. That's a long time to wait, isn't it? And so there's a message here of waiting and waiting and trusting and waiting going on. But there's another element that comes as well. First, first let's finish this section. I will bring judgment first, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So God is talking to this man and telling him that there's going all these things that are going to be happening to his people that come from his body, right? His descendants, these people. And then he's also saying that Abram is going to have a peaceful death. And this is the first time in the Bible that we meet the word peace. First time in the Bible that we meet the word peace. And it is given to this man of faith that he is going to have peace. And that would have a big meaning to Abram. Not only would he have a son that was going to come to him, but God was promising that his death was going to be a peaceful one. And that would also mean something to him. And he would need family members to bring that about, to take him to a place of rest. So God is taking care of him. He's giving him these this vision of all these people. But there's one last thing that God is doing here. Why 400 years? Why all of that? Why? That's the big question. We're wait, we're, why do we have to wait for things and all these different things? Well, God's salvation is at work. And God was, in his grace was extending that to the people, to the people that were not his own people, the Amorites, 
He was extending that time in hopes that they would acknowledge him as God, that they would come to their senses and acknowledge that he is truly God. Right? And so God extended that time and was waiting in that time in hopes that, that that would happen. But the Amorites did not believe, the Canaanites did not believe, and it was, it, it, it was not, uh, the case. So it, their unbelief was fulfilled in that time. Does that make sense? So God and his grace and his patience is at work. And maybe that's a lesson for us as well when we're waiting for something. God is working his grace. He's working something out in that time and desiring for people. We may not even know who they are in our lives to come to Christ. There's, there's a spiritual battle going on around us. We, we learn that in the Bible. But in those times of waiting and having faith, we can trust that God is working in someone's life to work it out, that he wants them to be saved. So all these things are coming to Abram at this time. And so he calls them, don't despair in this time of waiting for your son. Don't don't despair. Trust me. I'm going to show you something now that is really going to make a commitment to you and my commitment to all of mankind. So we go back to the text in verse 17. It says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, the animal pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And so what is the meaning of this ceremony, right? This, this passing of uh, the, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passing between the pieces of the animal. Okay, so God had made a covenant with Abram, right? The dividing of the animal, animals coupled with the passing between the pieces results in the cutting of a covenant, Okay. By dividing animals and passing between the pieces, the participants in the covenant pledge themselves to life and death. So that symbolism is God's commitment to a life and death commitment to Abraham. And the thing that's very important is here, here is that it's usually two parties involved. In this case, Abraham does not pass between the fiery the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch represent God, and God himself passes through between the animals, signifying that he is committed to a life and death commitment to Abram. He put his life on it. And Abram, Abram didn't need to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't up to him. It was fully upon God's shoulders in that kind of a way. In the, in the, in the day, in that tradition, if, if the, the, the person making the covenant should break the commitment involved. They were asking that their own bodies be torn in pieces just as the animals had been divided ceremonially. Right? They're saying, this should happen to me if I should break that covenant. And by the inherent pledge to death of the covenant inauguration procedure, a bond in blood is established. I'm putting my blood in it. I'm putting my life in it. This is how much I am committed to this, this covenant. And he's saying, how should I, how am I going to know that this is right? I promise you, God is saying, I promise you, and I'm willing to put my life on it. 
amazing. I mean, how can you how can you possibly think that God would be saying this, right? But He said this. So God, the Creator, binds Himself to man, the creature, by a solemn blood oath. He chooses to commit Himself to the fulfillment of promises spoken to Abram, and by this divine commitment, Abram's doubts are to be gone. God has solemnly promised and sealed that promise with this oath, and the realization of the divine word is assured. So there is this assurance here. Okay, so that is the covenant that God is making with Abram. Right? He is totally committed to him. He's telling him, you can trust me. I'm not just going to show you the stars in the sky. I'm going to take a custom that you're used to seeing, only I'm going to change it and be the only one involved in this that is going to commit to that and I'm going to put my life on it. So by his solemn covenant, this is Alan Ross said this, by his solemn covenant, the Lord guarantees his people that his promises will be fulfilled in spite of prospects of death and suffering. God does not promise Abram that everything is going to be super keen and nice. It's going to be all just worked out. Don't worry about it. There's going to be suffering involved. There's going to be things that he has to be tested in. And we know that there's those things coming in Abram's life. And you and I are going to be tested. You know, we have a baptism coming up. If we go into that, really, with the thinking, like, this is a, this is going to be a light thing, we're, we're really underestimating that. And our own baptisms, it's a good time for us to think about that, what exactly we were saying when we were doing that and taking that kind of a step in our lives and in that sacrament to show God that, yes, we are truly committed to you because you are committed to me. And I love you and I'm going to give you my life. We need to revisit our own lives and, and look at that step that we're taking. These are very, very important things. God does not promise us that we would be free from suffering. Indeed, he teaches us that we will need to suffer for his sake. Jesus suffered, and so must we. But there is great reward. There is great reward that God is bringing for us. Right? And these, these truths are good for any age because people today become people of God by faith as well. Amen? And their faith brings righteousness before God. In Romans, Paul recalled these words and he quoted them. What does Scripture say in Romans 4.3? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he repeated the same to the Galatians so that they would remember that Abraham indeed believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And to New Testament believers, God made great promises too. In Hebrews 9.15, it says this, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And so really, Jesus Christ is God, the one that committed to death, putting that promise into place, and he fulfilled it. It happened to him. He gave his life as that blood, as that life and death commitment that was first given to Abram, and he gives it to every one of us. How do I know that my Redeemer lives? He gave his life for me. He bled on the cross. It's in fulfillment of God's, God's promise that he made to Abram, and it stretches all the way into the New Testament and is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. That's how I know. It's not just that he says, I love you in the Bible. He shows it. He commits himself and he gives, I don't have to die. You see that? 
I don't have to pass through that. He passes through it. And he lived it. And he fulfilled it. Hallelujah. Another lesson that we learn is that those promises seem to be greatly delayed in the face of suffering and death. But this is a a wonderful moment for us and an opportunity for us to remember that we are waiting for the return of Christ, are we not? In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping the promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so if there's anyone here today in this room, or anyone that in your family, or anybody you're praying for, that, that is saying, I'm going to put off, right? God is, very, is, is making a statement here. He is patient, and he is waiting for you to make that decision. But the, bet, the, the sooner the better. The sooner the better, because God has given us our lives. He has given us our lives. And we are not our own, you know, we're not the ones that are supposed to be in control of ourselves. God is. Right? That is, that is the purpose in, in all of this, to learn these things that God is telling us, do not fear anything because I am your shield and I am going to give you great blessing. Right? And so that is, that is what we want to do as soon as possible, to recognize the great love of Christ, that he died for us, that he was that sacrificial lamb. And he went to the cross and rose again so that we would live. I just want to read two verses, one verse from Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. And that is what we understand as the fulfillment of the covenant God made with Abraham. Jesus himself gave his blood. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He was the new covenant. He was the highest covenant. And it is on his blood that we can depend, we, we are to have faith and believe and to receive eternal life when we do. I just want to read a few words from someone named Palmer Robertson that I feel are very fitting as we come to the close of the sermon today. How can I know? Abram asked God. God replies through the covenant he made, I promise, I solemnly commit myself as Almighty God. Death may be necessary, but promises of the covenant shall be fulfilled. And in Jesus Christ, God fulfills his promise. In him, God is with us. He offers his own body and his own blood as victim of the covenantal curses. His flesh is torn that God's word to the patriarch may be fulfilled. And now he offers himself to you and to me. He says, take, eat. This is my body. This is the blood of the covenant shed for many. Drink all of you of it.